0: this February the 3rd in the year of our Lord 2020. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, and we're going to be taking a look at a reading for the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany, which is this coming Sunday. And the reading we're going to be looking at is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. I'm Tom Baker, and that's what we do on Mondays. On Tuesday, we like looking at the hymn assigned uh, for this Sunday in Epiphany, which is going to be Thy Strong Word, and we'll be talking about that on Tuesday. So, fifth Sunday after the Epiphany, 1 Corinthians chapter two. Without further ado, let's begin. Paul says, "'And when I come to you, brothers,' I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with speech or wisdom. Now, does that make any sense? Why wouldn't you want to do the testimony of God with lofty speech or with wisdom? Uh, Do you just want to do a monotone all the time or something? Well, We need to understand what Paul is talking about. Because later on, he speaks about the kind of wisdom that comes from reason. And a lot of people use that. You're hearing it all over in the political field today where people use lofty speech that really tickle the ears of their hearers. Politician comes out and says, I'm going to make a plan so you don't have to pay for medical insurance anymore. Or I'll be able to make sure you have your student loans paid off. Or Social Security, you'll be getting even more money. And he gives promise after promise and people walk away and say, wow, he he was really eloquent. I, I think I'm gonna go with him. If you listen carefully, they are telling you why you need to vote for them because it will be to your advantage. Paul is saying, I'm not using that kind of eloquence or I'm not using that kind of lofty speech or the wisdom of man. What does he say? For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, he talks about the necessity to be preaching Jesus all the time. And there's hardly a passage in the Bible that cannot be used to talk about Jesus. Uh, Even in the Old Testament, many of the prophecies are referring to the coming of the Messiah. And so, When you listen to a sermon, the sermon should be always preaching about Jesus Christ and how he fulfills your greatest need. And what is your greatest need? Your greatest need is to be in rightness with God. And that comes about through faith in Jesus Christ. So Paul is an individual who recognizes he's not eloquent in speech but the words he says are really important. Recently I was reading Bondage of the Will again, that's a very famous book written by Martin Luther uh, back in the 1500s against a Roman Catholic named Erasmus. And Luther, in the beginning, talks about Erasmus is very eloquent. He has wonderful ways of talking. But when you listen closely, he's saying nothing that is in sync with Holy Scripture. And Luther uses over 400 pages in bondage of the will to show that Erasmus' is thinking is contrary to the word of God. He just makes things up, Luther says, when he reads a a Bible verse. And it was just really excellent that he even uses Erasmus' own book against Erasmus. For example, Erasmus says, the question before us in regard to free will is when a person comes to faith through his free will, There is a use of his will, and there is a use of God's wisdom. So Luther asks a very simple point. Which is which? How much do you need of your own will, and how much do you need of God's wisdom, his mercy? And the answer, of course, in the Bible is that it is entirely due to the mercy of God. The will of man does not come into it at all. And just take a look at one of the most famous analogies that God uses. He indicates that the way you became a member of the family of God is by being adopted. Now, when you think about that, what does a baby do according to his will in order to get adopted? Does he smile at the parents? Does he wave at them? No, he does nothing. It's all an action of the parents, maybe a judge who's involved, and that's how you became a believer. It was totally the act of God. Now, Erasmus doesn't agree with that. He says, no, you have free will to make a choice. You can maybe, as an unbeliever, say a prayer and invite Christ into your heart as though any unbeliever would ever do that. The fact of the matter is, is that Luther uses the eloquence of Erasmus to show how he is wrong in his thinking. Well, that's what Paul's talking about here in First Corinthians, because there have been other teachers that were not in sync with the Bible But they sounded pretty good. Uh, They made promises. Uh, You even hear this today on evangelical radio. You're not having a good life? Uh, You would like to have a, a better house, a better car, a better wife? Well, start obeying God more. And when you obey God, he will reward you with these things. Well, people stay in those churches about two or three years, and then they leave because it just doesn't work. There's no Bible passage that indicates that by your works, you're going to have a better life and that God is going to be forced to give that to you. So when we're speaking about salvation, we are not to use human wisdom or human reason. A very simple reason for that. In Second Corinthians, Paul makes a point that it's impossible for an unbeliever to understand God. So if you attempt to use any kind of reason to persuade somebody, well, you really ought to believe in Jesus Christ. It's gonna be a failure. And the fact of the matter is, we instead use the word of God. I challenge anybody to find anywhere in the Bible, when Jesus is making a point that he uses reason. No, when when he had that conversation, for example, with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, he used Old Testament passages in order to show the necessity of why he had to die on the cross, be raised from the dead, and so forth. So the word of God is the only means that the Holy Spirit uses. And you can be as eloquent and as wise and rational from a human point of view. But we need to understand, the Bible doesn't make any sense at all to the unbeliever. And in fact, one can go so far to say that the Bible is contrary to human reason. I mean, a man from Nazareth, a carpenter's son, he dies on a cross, and your sins are forgiven? That doesn't make any sense at all. So all you need to do is speak the word of God because the Holy Spirit binds himself to the word of God, and it is through hearing the word that people come to faith. Well, going on with 1 Corinthians chapter 2, for I decided, verse two, to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because the crucifixion is the event in history to really help us to understand why your sins are forgiven. Because on that cross, Jesus was forsaken by the Father because he had your sins on his shoulders, verse three, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not plausible words of wisdom. Now, that is really something what Paul is saying when I came to you, I was really nervous because i I wasn't sure that you would be able to understand what I was saying. And he says, well, the ESV says, I wasn't speaking in plausible words. The New American Standard says, I wasn't speaking in persuasive words of wisdom. Or, I like the New King James, I wasn't speaking in enticing words of wisdom. Enticing means they were persuadable. You cannot persuade anybody to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ by using words of wisdom. We really, as Christians, have what's called blind faith. Once the Holy Spirit brings us to faith, then that which sounded ridiculous to us is now true. I mean, a baby gets born in a stable and he is God. He is the Christ. He is the one who has come to take away our sins. That just doesn't make any sense. And so we really have a blind faith. And the way I like to say it is this. Once God says it, that settles it. You cannot persuade someone to become a Christian. Only the Holy Spirit does that, and he only uses word and sacrament. He doesn't use reason. He doesn't use so-called evidence or this kind of thing as though we can prove the Bible to be true in what it says. Now, there's no doubt there is a certain amount of knowledge one can have about the Bible. Uh, For example, if they're talking about that, well, the disciples were fishermen, and somebody says, oh, I don't think there were such a thing as boats in that day. Well, you can use history because archaeologists have found boats that were very similar to what is described in the Bible that the disciples were fishing from. And so you can be helpful in in that knowledge, but that doesn't convert anybody. Because the only thing that converts people is not a knowledge of the history of the Bible, that's called historical faith, and even the devils and the Pharisees have that. They believe Jesus died on the cross, they believe he rose from the dead, but that doesn't persuade them at all to trust in him. What persuades to trust is the Holy Spirit using not enticing words of man's wisdom. You know, that's what all advertising is about. Those who saw the Super Bowl recently, a lot of us like looking at it to see the commercials because they're some of the best commercials and they're always getting people to want to buy the product. And what I find interesting is that many of the commercials hardly talk about the product, but they put you in a situation like, you need a deodorant? Well, how would you like to be on a beach playing volleyball with beautiful girls? Well, use this deodorant. They, they don't say anything about the deodorant, but they use enticing speech to get you to think about Well, that would be really good uh, if I use that kind of deodorant. And it's not marketing what is really the content of the product, but look at, in your self-interest, how things can happen when you use our product. That's called enticing speech and the wisdom of man. So Paul says... It it appears that he had problem speaking in real eloquence, but he preached Christ and him crucified. I have uh, two props I have in mind that when they preach, they're kind of in monotone speech, but are they ever interesting if you listen to them? Because their content is filled with insights from the Bible that is just wonderful. So when Paul says, I didn't speak in enticing words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith, now this is really important, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know, there are actually theologians who believe that you can make Scripture reasonable to unbelievers, and therefore some have suggested uh, that's a way you can maybe get rid of some of their objections so that they're more open to hearing the message of Jesus Christ. It is impossible to make somebody more open to hear the message if they are an unbeliever. What they need to have is a conversion experience by the power of the holy spirit who only works through word and sacrament so don't try and persuade someone to believe in the lord jesus christ because well look here's what's going to happen to you you're going to have a better life you're going to have better relationships you're going to have heaven as your home There are no such promises in the Bible. Instead, you want to look at promises? If you become a Christian, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to suffer. Because we're living in the world of Satan. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, guess what? You are receiving comfort. Because through faith, you now understand what at another time you did not. Paul, verse 6. Yet, among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Now, what does he mean? Well, he's talking to those who are believers. We do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart, now get this, a secret and hidden wisdom of God. What do you mean secret? It's secret in the sense that nobody ever knew about it. It is in a mystery. And by the way, the Greek word for mystery is mysterion. That's where we get the word mystery. And the way Jerome translated it in, the, in the, his Bible was sacramentum. That's what he put into the Latin. That's where we get the word sacrament from. His translation of the word mystery. In other words, it's something nobody is aware of. And you can't make them aware by using human wisdom, logic, evidence, or anything like that. You simply speak the hidden wisdom which God, the New American Standard says, which God predestined from before the ages to our glory. So God knew what wisdom that had to come. And even in the Old Testament, they were not as aware as we are in the New Testament books about the Gentiles being part of the family of God. So... We don't preach what rulers of the age understand because if they had really understood the mystery of God, which an unbeliever cannot, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. So Paul just talks about it even more. Verse 9, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined... Now, you take the Christian faith that God decides to become a human being, to die, to pay for your sins. No other religion that man's imagination has brought up comes anywhere near that method of salvation. But it is what God has prepared for those who love him. And verse 10 makes it even clearer. These things God has revealed, that means uncovered. This is why this is the season of epiphany, because when you see the baby in the cradle, you have no idea who he is. So during the season of epiphany, God uncovers what the mystery is by the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, do one comp- does no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So it is really impossible to get an unbeliever to comprehend the thoughts of God by using reason. Only through speaking the word of God in its purity and administering the sacraments rightly does somebody come to faith. And it is a faith that is contrary to human reason. It is a blind faith in the sense that once you read what God says, you believe it. Now, verse 12, we have received not the spirit of the world, that's the spirit of reason, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. What a difference in how you decide to do evangelism. You can try and reason someone into the faith, but it is impossible to do that for an unbeliever. There are those who think that you can give evidence or reason to help get someone to be saved, but I've often said many people think they are saved by the way they thought they saved themselves, and that is just wrong. First Corinthians chapter two has a lot to say about the method of evangelism that we share with those who are in the darkness of unbelief. Because as you bring them the light of Jesus Christ, you are giving them really good news. I'm Tom Baker. Be with us tomorrow for our long gospel hymn, Thy Strong Word. God bless. Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll free 1 877 267 1962.